Going Linux, episode 399, listener feedback. Welcome to the Going Linux podcast. I'm your host, Larry Bushy. And I'm your co-host, Bill. Whether you're new to Linux, upgrading from Windows to Linux, or just thinking about moving to Linux, this podcast will provide you valuable information and advice that will help you in Going Linux. We hope that you'll find this and all of our episodes helpful in learning about Linux and open source applications and using them to get things done. If you want, you can send us feedback at our email address at goinglinux at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 1-904-468-7889. In today's episode, listener feedback. Hello, Bill. Hello, Larry. How are you? All right. Off to a technologically challenged start again, but we got those issues resolved. And uh, speaking of that, are you still on Manjaro? I am. All right. Still on Manjaro. Of course, you had to make a snarky. You said, you just updated, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it wasn't Manjaro as far. I think uh, Dasty got wonky there for a minute, but it's working now. And yes, I'm still on Manjaro Cinnamon, so... Uh, liking it a lot. Still working. It's surviving. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, let's. How about you? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm still on Ubuntu <laughs> Mate. It's rock solid. No problems. Uh, yeah. Waiting for 2010 to come out. And uh, I'll switch over to that because I want to stay Wait a minute. 2010's not an LTS, is it? Uh, no. No. 2010 is not an LTS, but I'm going to switch to it anyway. I, I got to keep up oh, with the brave. times here, Bill. Oh, you, now you're trying to stay up with me. Okay, I see how it is. Uh, <laughs> it used <no>. to be. <laughs> yeah. We're, All right. Uh, helping to write the documentation on it means that I have to keep up with it. So if, the most significant change I think that people will see is if you are using the application Cheese to mm-hmm. uh, access your uh, webcams or things like that, the application is being replaced in Ubuntu generally, oh. uh, by a, another program called Webcamoid. Webcamoid. Yes, okay. W-E-B-C-A-M-O-I-D. And it's a cross-platform uh, phone and desktop or laptop computer-based application that lets you use your webcam and has some fancy effects and things like that. It does a few more things than Cheese does, and okay. you know it's it's a little more full featured it's got kind of a web or phone kind of interface to it but it's um it's going to take some getting used to let me just put it that way <laughs> well all i'm going to say is <clears throat> i don't have to reinstall i'll have the latest stuff <laughs> yes yes there you go I had to I had to throw it in there because of that crack earlier about my about my Manjaro install. Yeah, well, fair, uh, enough. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, there there are advantages and disadvantages to being on a rolling release, and there are advantages and disadvantages to being on a release that you have to either upgrade or reinstall. So, yeah, yeah, I just pick it on you. Yes, I know that's okay. I I uh, made a snarky remark about your distro. You can make a snarky remark about mine. That's okay. <laughs> Let's find out what's going no. on in the minds of our uh, our listeners, shall we? Of course. Okay. All right. Our first email is from Andy, 
who wrote, Hi, Bill and Larry. Thanks for your enthusiasm in supporting everything Linux. I've been a Linux user for ages, with Ubuntu Mate being my daily driver at the moment. The main Windows tool I miss is Search Everything, which manages an up-to-date database of local and network files. So searching was really flexible and instantaneous. This isn't available on Linux or Mac, and I find the command line to be slow. Do you have any recommendations for a powerful, that is, flexible search, parameters, and fast option that I can configure to allow good searching around my home network? I have a number of Linux boxes running different distros and a file server on the network running FreeNAS. I would be happy to dedicate a machine as a search engine database if that is helpful. Any suggestions on how I can get better searching would be appreciated. Happy to be pointed to an old episode I've missed, if appropriate. Kind regards and many thanks, Andy, in Kerry Kerry in New Zealand. All right. Okay. So, Bill, search on Linux, uh, file search in specific. Any experiences or things that you can recommend? Uh, not really. Uh, I, I, is, is you talk about searching for files on his computer? On his computer, on his NAS uh, device, on network-connected storage of any uh, sort, whether it's another computer or not. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. But uh, I, I know there's got to be maybe a, a command line or some uh, command line commands that would help him. But I don't do a lot of searching on my network. And if I need to find something on my my machine, I can usually find every, anything I need in search. But I see what he's trying to do. And I'm just trying to think uh, of anything that I've heard of. And I'm drawing a blank. How, what about you? Well, um, when I made the switch from Windows to Linux, I noticed that the Linux search was a bit slower than... Um, now I wouldn't say out of the box searching for files in in Windows, but I had a um, an uh, an additional program that I installed specifically for search. And the way it sped up searching on Windows was to create an index of all the files, and it took maybe an hour or two, depending on how many files you had, to go through your entire hard okay. drive and your network storage and create an index so that instead of actually having to parse through each of those connected devices or connected storage um, individually, it would just search the index, find it, go look for it, and present the result to you, result or results. Uh, and similar sorts of things are available for Linux, some of them being um, pre-installed. Uh, there is a command line search that allows you to find things. So there's the find command, there's the search command and things like that. Um, there is also a command that creates an index for those, which is, if I remember correctly, I think it's update db. And I think you may have to do that as uh, an admin user. So you may need to do sudo update db. Hmm. What about, uh, have you heard, uh, I don't know if this is what he's looking for, but I, I heard someone say they 
where uh, they use something called Midnight Commander. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. Midnight Commander is essentially a file manager. And I don't know if they have anything there that actually speeds up the searches, but it be, oh, okay. it would certainly be worth a try. I haven't used it in a long time. It's kind of a an NCurses based interface. Yeah, it is NCurses. Yeah. So for new listeners to the podcast and new users to Linux, NCurses is a graphical interface on the command line. So you have to open a terminal or a command prompt. And you would run Midnight Commander from there, and it would provide essentially blocky kind of text-based uh, interface. But it does let you inter you know interact with it by using the mouse and menus and things like that. So it's an old school way of of presenting a graphical user interface before they had graphical user <laughs> interfaces. Uh, but it's a, it's a great program. I did use it for a while and haven't for quite a while. So um, going back just a moment to the update DB command, uh, it is update DB as though it were all one word. So up, U-P-D-A-T-E-D-B. And it creates or updates a database uh, that uh, may or may not already exist on your um, computer. And that database is used to redirect directories that haven't changed. And it basically creates an index, as I was describing earlier. And there are a bunch of options that go along with it. And the program that it works with, let's see, is the locate program that you can run, again, from the terminal. Uh, it creates a database called mlocate.db, and updatedb.conf is the configuration. It's, it's a utility from Red Hat, and if it's not installed on your Linux distribution, then you would go ahead and install uh, locate, or yeah, probably locate, and then it'll bring along with it updatedb. And you can use those two things to speed up your searches, at least the command line searches. If any of our listeners have other utilities, maybe graphical-based utilities or other tricks or tips that you can use to speed up the search within the default file browser, like Kaha on the um, Mate desktop, it would be, what, Nemo, is it, on Cinnamon? And, yes, Nemo. Yeah, and what's the one on GNOME? It's um, uh, Nautilus. <laughs> okay. Look it up. I forgot. Yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> so, uh, again, if any of our listeners have anything that they can suggest to help searches go a little bit faster in Linux, please let us know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I wish I could be more help. I just don't have, I, you know, it's like that use case scenario that he's trying to do. Yep. But I'm going to have to look into it a little bit more. And if I find anything, I'll uh, I'll reach out to him and send, and send him a reply. Perfect. So our next email comes from Mark, and he's asking about DVD shrink and alternative to it. He writes, Hi guys, I just recently discovered your podcast and I'm finding it to be a great resource for an intro to all things Linux. 
we have a large movie connection, our typical workflow is rip the DVD to an ISO using DVD shrink, convert the ISO to MP4 using Handbrake, transfer both files to our media uh, server. If we switch links, what could we use in place of DVD shrink? Cheers, Mark in Oregon. Um, there is a program that's called Make MKV that is in the um, the repositories. Uh, I know in, in Ubuntu, and uh, it's in I know it's in uh, Manjaro. See, I, I don't know how it would work because I believe DVD Shrink uh, also uh, has a way to work around the copy uh, encryption on those DVD discs. But I'm not. I don't know if M make MKV. I don't know if it has that ability to work around the um, the copy protection on it. I, I think DVD Shrink does have something. There used to be a um, another program, but the company went out of business. I can't remember what it was called. I remember I used it once, and it was kind of a hit or miss. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I would. That's the only one that really comes to mind. I see what he's trying to do. He's trying to take that big, um, uh, what four gigabyte or of of the DVD and shrink yep. it down to for save space. You can you can tell it, you know, to reduce the um, the quality of it or whatever. So if these are just like, you know, maybe home movies or something like that that you've put on there, uh, that should work fine. But that's the only one. That's something I haven't done a lot of. You know, we've since uh, everything has kind of gone to online streaming. There's not a lot of. I haven't had to do that uh, in a couple of years. So I don't know. Do you have any other ideas? Uh, yeah. Well, in fact, I um, I suggested to Mark that he take a look at Make MKV. And okay. his response was, it doesn't appear that MakeMKV has any reauthoring capabilities. He says, we always oh. strip out the cruft before ripping or the ability to rip to ISO files. So he's got a little different utility requirements than what MakeMKV provides. So I sent him a list of alternatives to dvd ripping software for linux and we'll include mm -hmm. that link in the show notes in case it's of value to anyone else we haven't heard back from mark as to whether any of those actually worked for him but uh, we'll provide you the list and you can make your own assessment hopefully uh, one of those links is going to help mark with his uh dvd ripping i'm kind of curious how many uh, <laughs> movies he's trying to rip I don't uh, know, uh, but it sounds like it's something he does on a regular basis. So, oh, okay, so yeah, that's 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 a lot of work. Yeah, well, you know, people have built up libraries of CDs over the years, and you know, as that technology goes away, you got to do something. Couldn't he also just? Uh, I know it's not exactly what he's asking for, but couldn't he like buy an external uh, USB uh, drive? You know, one because four terabyte, six terabyte drives are dropping in price and just um, rip it and throw it on to a uh, external hard drive. I mean, I know it's not optimal, but maybe that would work. Yeah, maybe. Um, 
I'm not sure that you don't need something like what he's asking for to do that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I uh, think you're right. I thought, maybe, yeah, Hambrick can't. Uh, yeah. Hambrick doesn't have the, the that encryption. Yeah. Um, thing. So yeah, you wouldn't be able to. Yeah. I don't. I think it's what the sound that's. Uh, um, disabled if you can't break I'm not sure it's been a while since I've actually ripped a DVD so yeah let us know how that works Mark yep absolutely okay our next email is from Kelly who writes about editing and managing photos on Linux I'm a photographer that uses open source software for my photos I like using Darktable for my editing I use both Windows and Linux one program that is good is called Huggin, it, H-U-G-I-N. It can be used to stitch together photos. If you want someone to give more information on programs that are available to edit photos, I have used some that you may not have talked about in episode 396. I am including, I am including a link to my Flickr account so you can see some of my work. We'll have that link to Kelly's work in our show notes. I have been using Linux on and off for about 20 years. I run a Linux server in my home as a file server and Sandbox web server. Thanks, Kelly. Yeah. Our next email comes from Vince, and he, he writes, Hi, Larry and Bill. My name is Vince, all the way from Australia. I have been enjoying your podcast since Larry was interviewed on Linux Spotlight. On episode 395, you had a listener, Nathan, who wrote in to ask about auto-mounting auto drives in his system. He pointed him toward instructions to edit the F-tab uh, file. While this method does indeed work very well, I believe that there might be a, a more user-friendly way of doing this with a tool that is included in many distributions, the utility GNOME Disks. In GNOME Disks, if you select the drive and partition, then click on the little cogwheel icon underneath the diagram of the drive and select Edit uh, Mount Options. You will see a checkbox for Mount at System Startup. If the option is grayed out, you may need to turn on the User Session Defaults toggle. Edit any additional options you may want. There you have it. This method has worked for me without having to worry about editing the FS tab file, which on occasion has left me with a non-bootable system. Thank you guys so much for having a fantastic forum and discussion on your podcast. It is a great contribution to the open source world. Keep going. Kind regards, Vince, a.k.a. Sleepy. <laughs> okay. yeah. That's actually a good, that's a good tip. Uh, I, so if you're running like uh, regular Ubuntu, uh, you could do it. Does does um, Monte use um, GNOME disks? Or? Yeah, Ubuntu Monte, when you are in the installer, when you're first installing it, it is defaulting to um, Gparted. Um, okay. so that you can partition your drives and so on in a graphical way. But after you've got it installed, of course you can reinstall uh, Gparted, but it's not installed by default, and it does use GNOME disks, uh, or just disks as it appears in the um, 
oh, okay. uh, in the menu. So that, I think, is something that's available on almost any Linux distribution, whether it uses GNOME or not. This is very uh, very interesting utility. It, it lets you create disks, partition disks. It even lets you copy disks, like edit, copy, edit, paste to create Oh, wow. A, uh, a, yeah. Uh, as long as you have created a new partition exactly the right size, and you can use disk to do that, so exactly the same size as what you're copying, you can do an edit copy on your existing disk and an edit paste on the new disk, and it'll make a faithful copy, and then you can restore it the same way. So it's a pretty powerful tool. Very simple to yeah. use, but very powerful. Hmm. Huh. I didn't know you could do that with uh, disks. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, Vince, uh, good luck. Let us know how it goes, and thanks for the update. Okay. All right, our next email is from Daniel, who wrote about our feed. I had to subscribe again to Going Linux again. <laughs> I found it through searching with gpotter, which if you're using gpotter, you can find going Linux pretty easily there. But he has a question. He says, when searching, why has your podcast got several different versions of the feed? And for those of you who are subscribing through a service who just provides you whatever feed they've got, we have an MP3 feed. We have a 64-bit MP3 feed, and we have an AUG feed. AUG is the file format that is more open source than um, uh, MP3 is. And at the time we started podcasting, MP3 was considered to have some proprietary components to it. And so we wanted to offer something for those people who were purists about open source and free software. So we created the AUG feed. And over the years, the quality of the AUG feed and the MP3 feeds, the two feeds we started with, uh, has changed a little bit. Uh, we started with, I think our MP3 feed may have started the same quality that we have today. Uh, we have reduced the AUG format quality to match that. Still not bad quality, not super top quality like you would need for music or something that wasn't just talk like we have. But for uh, what we have uh, in MP3 terms, it's about 96 kilobits. Uh, and um, the AUG feed is about when you're creating an AUG file in Audacity, it's about a five setting, if you're familiar with that. And that results in files that are very similar in size, but the quality of the AUG is just a bit better than the MP3, but the file sizes are about the same. So it's a balance between quality and file size, right? And in the days when uh, bandwidth was limited for a lot of people, and it still is for quite a few people, Folks out there who listen to the Especially podcast. Especially in Europe. Yes. So we have the 64 kilobit feed, which the file quality there is 64 kilobits, as the name would suggest. But what that does is it reduces the file significantly in size so that you don't chew up all your bandwidth just listening to going Linux. And you have some bandwidth left to do other stuff. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So that's why we have those three file formats and we'll continue to provide all three 
for as long as people subscribe to all three. Very few people subscribe to the 64 kilobit uh, feed, but I'm assuming that's because very few of our listeners actually need to use a file that small. Uh, and, but there are still people using it, so we'll keep it going. Is that uh, MP3? Yes, it's a 64 kilobit oh. MP3. So two MP3 okay. feeds, a large one and a small one, and then there's the uh, the AUG feed. So out of all of them, which one gets the most uh, downloads, Larry? MP3 by uh, wide margin, primarily because most players like um, iTunes or Apple Podcasts or whatever they're calling it this week, and uh, many of the online will look for an MP3 feed first, and that seems to be the most popular anyway out there. And there are a few like uh, iTunes that don't know what AUG is or refuse to play it. They may know what it is. They just don't play it. So uh, MP3 seems to be the one that is most compatible with everything out there. Yeah, speaking on feeds, I I, uh, noticed uh, that our podcast is actually on Amazon uh, Music. Yes, yes it is. Someone told me that, and I had to go look. <laughs> I may have had something to do with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're not on Spotify, and, I, and I've looked for a link and I, uh, you know, to see if you can submit it, and I have yet to find one. So if anybody knows how to submit a podcast to Spotify, because they they, they're ramping up their podcast, let us know so I can get it added to that if possible. Yeah, I looked at that a while ago, and... Couldn't figure it out either. So, but, but but that was quite a while ago before they started promoting podcasts on their service. But now that they have, uh, maybe it's yeah. time to look. Yeah, I've looked and I I can't figure it out. I mean, uh, it would be nice to get there because you know Spotify is uh, one of the bigger uh, streaming services. Yeah. So yeah, our next email comes from David, and he has a warning about LibreOffice. I recently thought I had gotten rid of LibreOffice, but in trying to uninstall it, eventually I hosed my system. I am not the only one. I read where several others suffered through this as well, to the point where many don't recommend LibreOffice. My advice to fellow victims or potential victims of LibreOffice. One, leave... (laughs) LibreOffice on your machine and just figure it as a cost of using Linux. Note, storage is cheap. Note, I personally don't need it. I use MS on, uh, Office version 2010 using a version of Wine. If you must try to uninstall LibreOffice, don't panic when it completely messes with your ability to install new programs, since sometimes it will sabotage dependencies. After several attempts, hours, to fix this broken install, I finally reverted to letting Ubuntu Mate 20.04 do a partial software upgrade of the entire system as admin. The system seemed to know what was wrong and dumped all the mess I had created and restored my machine to where I could install new programs. Lesson learned. Later, Dave. Uh-huh. I've I've had uh, LibreOffice 
pre-installed on, on distros because it comes pre-installed in Ubuntu, yep. and I believe it comes in on, on Mate too. Yep. But what was kind of funny is in Manjaro Cinnamon, it's not pre-installed. So I actually installed it. And uh, after I read this, I went and uninstalled it just to see if it created any problems for me. And it didn't. I was able to reinstall it and install other programs. So I'm wondering I wonder what was causing that. Yeah, I don't know. And when I was using Ubuntu Mate 20.04, I had also, in around that time frame, uh, switched over to, I think it was... Um, not open office, um, free office. That's what it was. I had yeah. switched over to free office and before installing free office, I went through the software store, um, or the, uh, software boutique on Ubuntu Mate and uninstalled LibreOffice from there at no problem. And then installed hmm. Uh, you know, free office and it installed just fine. No dependencies uh, messed up anywhere along the line. And David didn't say specifically how he uninstalled LibreOffice, whether it was through the software boutique or through one of the other stores available in Ubuntu Mate or whether he just did uh, app remove from the command line, there are multiple ways to uninstall something, all of which, if done correctly, should have taken care of leaving behind any dependencies that were needed by other software packages. Um, and mm -hmm. uh, it looks like something happened where that didn't happen for him. So I, I don't know what to say about this. Well, another off, uh, I've used this office uh, suite a few times. It's called WP Office. Yes, um, I've tried that too. I find uh, it works really well. I know he said he was using uh, Microsoft Office uh, under Wine, but if you're looking for something that's uh, uh, Linux native that works pretty well with um, Microsoft uh, uh, formatted files, I found it works pretty well um sometimes a LibreOffice can be a little wonky but i'm still sitting there going i wonder if it if it was a maybe a flaw in that version LibreOffice because the package manager should know what dependencies need to stay for the programs so that's true. I, it would be kind of interested to see how he tried to uninstall it yeah that's the only thing i can think of is that if it was uh some unusual way of an uninstalling that he was he was yeah. trying to do um and i mean both bill and i are speaking from personal experience as opposed to uh, anything else and i haven't heard of this even from other listeners to the podcast or other LibreOffice users on any platform windows or linux or or mac uh where it would cause the system not to uninstall it uh, and leave behind yeah. broken uh, broken dependencies um sounds like it's he's he's spent a lot of time trying to fix it too yeah and i mean i would be interested if he tried to go through the package manager so david let us know if, if you if this uh what version of uh, uh linux that you're using and um how you tried to uninstall it because now i'm kind of baffled because I think we've both installed LibreOffice on 
I've had it on Windows, I've had it on OS X, I've had it on several different distributions, and I've never run across this. I even went on uh, Google, and I didn't really see anything uh, mentioning it. So I'm kind of uh, curious about that now. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm I'm thinking back, I've probably uninstalled LibreOffice a few times. I've install, uninstalled when when um, Ubuntu was switching between OpenOffice and LibreOffice. I uninstalled OpenOffice at the time in order to install LibreOffice and free up space on my tiny hard drive at the time. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah, and have had no problem. I think I still have a 2004 Ubuntu Mate uh, virtual uh, machine. I could try uninstalling it there, see if I have any problems. Yeah, I seem to remember we had um, the uh, Tom, one of the older co-hosts, he upgraded uh, his machine uh, multiple times and uh, Libre, when uh, they were switching from OpenOffice to LibreOffice, and I remember he, he had to uninstall OpenOffice, and he installed LibreOffice, and uh, we were we were joking because he had uh, uninstalled and installed different versions of so the software through all the upgrades. Because you remember when it was still um, uh, like a wasn't it, it was uh, GNOME two? Yeah, yeah. And he went from all the way from GNOME two went through like all the way up to GNOME 3 before he started saying, I'm starting to have problems. And we finally said, uh, how many versions have you upgraded? <laughs> so it was all like them. four or five. <laughs> yeah. yeah, all of them. He, ne he Tom would never uh, – so he just kept upgrading and upgrading. And, but I remember we had this specific uh, discussion about him having to um, uninstall LibreOffice and reinstall it and, and – uh, he never had any problems um, with that either, so uh, that's just curious. Uh, yeah, and the other the other variable here is um, LibreOffice is provided with Ubuntu Mate twenty point oh four, and you can also get it as a snap package, and you can also get it directly from the LibreOffice PPA. And so okay. David may have installed from one of the other sources other than the standard repo, or actually the version of LibreOffice that just is prepackaged with Ubuntu Mate. And so that's a variable there as well. There could have been something um, messed up in the installer and uninstaller in whatever that other source was if indeed that's what David was using. So there are too many variables to be able to figure out what the actual problem is here. And David, if you can help us clarify any of that, maybe we can be a little more helpful. Yeah, I'm sorry we could, didn't have more answers, but that is a unique problem. Yeah, it seems to be. All right, well, that brings us to the end of our episode for episode 399. And that reminds me, if we go down to the wrap-up... Wow. We have episode 400 coming up next. And in our last episode, we talked about what we would like our listeners to do for episode 400. We want you to help us with this. Can you tell us a little about that? Sure. So we would like uh, any of our listeners who want or, and are willing to either send us a voicemail or an email telling us about your 
funny stories with Linux or your successes with Linux or uh, as uh, everybody knows, uh, our failures, uh, you know, what some learning, things that learning we might have done. Yeah, our, yeah, our learning yeah, experiences. Yeah, learning yeah. experiences. There we go. Um, and uh, I've had quite a few, but, uh, you know, over the years. But, yeah, let us know your successes. Uh, the 400 Show is, is all about you. We want to hear how you've been able to use Linux, whether it just, you know, from uh, – a set-top box where you store your movies to uh, where you've been able to convert your business over to it. Anything that you uh, you think other people uh, uh, would like to know. And, and we also, uh, if you have any tips or tricks or things that you've learned that you want to share, uh, we encourage you to send all that to us. And so you can be a part of the show uh, and uh, we can kind of celebrate our successes and learning experiences, Larry, uh, <laughs> together. Yeah. So whether you want to send in an email or a recorded message, uh, recorded on Audacity or some other recording software, even on your phone, uh, or you want to dial into our uh, voicemail line to give us a, a voicemail, that would be great as well. Yeah, so we're excited to see the uh, submissions, and and I'm sure there's some funny ones. I mean, um, some things that we should that we shouldn't do, and things that we've done that have worked really well. So we're anxious to hear uh, how you're using links to get things done. Okay, so our next episode is that 400th episode. Yes. And until then, you can go to our website at goinglinks.com for articles and show notes, as well as links to download and subscribe. We are the website for computer users who just want to use Linux to get things done. And if you like, you can participate directly with our friendly and helpful community members by joining the discussion in our Going Linux podcast community on community.goinglinks.com. Until next time, thanks for listening. 73. Music provided by Mark Blasco at podcastthemes.com.